Good morning, Cornerstone Bible Church. My name is, is Isaiah Mackler. I'm an elder here at Cornerstone Bible Church, which most of you know. Uh, on, on behalf of the elders, I'd like to thank you for joining us in worshiping our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, although it is in an unusual way this Sunday morning. In case you are new this morning, perhaps having been invited into someone's home to, 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 to join together, you already know our motive for canceling our Sunday morning service wasn't fear. We're simply meeting in smaller groups this morning. Our goal in meeting in smaller groups instead of as a group gathered is to honor the governing authorities who have asked us not to meet in groups larger than 250. And while it's likely we'd probably be under that size, it's also likely that we would be tough to keep the appropriate distance. Our goal is to show love for one another by trying to, to, to prevent or to slow the, 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 the outbreak of this virus. And so we just want to honor the governing, governing authorities. We want to show love for one another. And this is why we are meeting in, in homes together in smaller groups uh, rather than as a corporate body. Now, as you know, we are not live streaming this morning's service. That's good news for you who are uh, serious note takers, because you can finally pause me and have time to catch up. Um, but simply, before live streaming, we need more time to ensure uh, we could do it in a way that would definitely work. So, so that's our goal for, for next week, Lord willing. Uh, some of the saints are going to be working on that in this upcoming week. In case you haven't seen the email that went out this week, our Sunday activities will be canceled through the end of March, including equipping hour, children's ministry, and our newcomer lunch on the 22nd. Roots and care groups, though, will, will, will continue to meet, t- taking the necessary precautions to be safe. We'll be taking a, a, a break from communion until we together can gather again to remember the Lord's death and pro- proclaim his resurrection until he returns. I'd like to encourage you that even though we aren't meeting as a corporate body, uh, to keep showing love for one another. In Matthew 25, verses 34 to 40, Jesus uh, portrays himself coming back, and then he says this, The king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed of my father, and inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. Naked and you clothed me, I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? And when did we see you a stranger and invite you in or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king will answer and say to them, truly I say to you, to the extent that you did it to one of these brothers of mine, even the last of them, you did it to me. We really don't know what the upcoming days hold, but we want to, to encourage you to keep showing love for one another. And that can be over the phone, over the phone and sending emails. It may be bringing someone a, a meal who perhaps does get sick. We don't know how many of us will. In John 13, verse 35, it says, By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. So we want to be faithful to keep showing love for one another. Galatians 6.10 also says, So then, while we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who are of the household of faith. We want to be also looking beyond uh, our our, our own church and be looking towards our neighbors 
Uh, I really see that there's an opportunity here to get to uh, meet neighbors, to get to know them in ways we haven't before, and an opportunity to, 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 to perhaps serve them. We want you to be wise and healthy, but we also want you to do good uh, to, to all men, and, and this is a, a, a unique opportunity we have at church. We are going to transition now uh, to, to a time of scripture reading. If you have your Bibles with you, go ahead and open to, to Habakkuk 3. And I will probably be switching back and forth between Habakkuk, the way I grew up saying Habakkuk, and Habakkuk, which is the appropriate way of saying it. So I will probably end up doing one at some point. But we're going to be, 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 be re- reading Habakkuk chapter 3. Habakkuk ch- chapter 3. If you are looking through your minor prophets, you're going to be going through the books, uh, Micah, Nahum, and then Habakkuk. Habakkuk 3 is a song of the prophet Habakkuk, who's living in faith in in uncertain times. I'm certain that the end of the chapter will be familiar to many of you. But the beginning reveals God and his power coming to deliver his people. Perhaps you'll be surprised by the picture of God coming in in, in judgment. It might seem like an awkward choice for this morning. But it's a tremendous picture of God, a sovereign God over creation who is on the move for the deliverance of his people, for the good of his people. And I think what you'll see is between the beginning and the end of the chapter, just a glorious display of God that will be encouraging to you this morning. I'll be preaching from, 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 from that same passage this morning. Uh, I will be, be reading this morning from uh, ESV, so those of you who have your NASB Bibles, go ahead and grab a phone and uh, take a second to follow along in the ESV. Habakkuk 3. A prayer of Habakkuk. The prophet, according to Shigianoth. It's a well-known song. No, not really. Sorry. The prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shigianoth. Verse 2. O Lord, I have heard the report of you. And your work, O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known in wrath. Remember mercy. God came from Teman, and the Holy One from Mount Paran, Selah. His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. Before him went pestilence, and plague followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations. Then the internal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of cushion in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the sea when you rode on your horses on your chariot of salvation? You stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their place at the sound of your arrows as they sped, at the flash of your glittering spear. You marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. 
You pierced with his own arrows the heads of his warriors, who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty warriors. I hear, and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. To the choir master with stringed instruments. Let's pray. And dear Father, we thank you for preserving in your word this powerful song, this, this vision of you coming in deliverance for your people. And we rejoice that your chariot is a chariot of salvation, that when you come, it is for the good of those who have hoped in you and who have found their hiding place in you, Lord. Father, we come this morning in very uh, uncertain times, and we don't know what the future holds for this country, even for the world. And Lord, we never really do uh, beyond what you reveal in your word, but it is it feels more unstable and more uncertain. And even Habakkuk's picture here of um, the uh, fields not having any grain is, is reminiscent of us, of the uncertainty that we face. Lord, we don't even know how long this is going to be, how long all of uh, what we hear in the news, uh, the spread of the coronavirus is going to last. But we want to confess this morning, that our hope is in you, that our eyes are upon you, that we are looking for you to act, that our confidence is in you, that our joy is in you, that we are not those without hope. We know you as our Father, and that we are eager for your kingdom to come and for you to bring glory to yourself. We do come this morning with, with many requests, and we want to bring those before you. We ask for 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 solid-mindedness, Lord. We ask for sober-mindedness. We ask for clarity in our thinking. We ask that doctrine, that the truth of your word would be in our minds through the midst of these trials. Lord, we pray, Father, that you would help us to be grounded in truth. We'd be speaking truth to one another. We'd be speaking truth to our children, Lord, that we'd be shepherding our hearts in the midst of these uncertain times, Lord. We pray, Father, that you would help us not to be selfish and self-focused, Lord, that we would be concerned about our brothers and sisters around the world who are going through the uh, same and many of them much worse struggles, Lord. We pray, Father, that we'd be looking outward instead of only inward. We pray, Father, for hearts that would be seeking to advance your kingdom and make your Son known, Lord, that we'd be able to explain the reason for the hope that we have. Father, we uh, do pray, Lord, that even as we hope in you, Lord, that we would be a, a holy people, Lord, that this time apart from one another would not be a time of giving into selfishness and sin, it would not be a time of giving into fear and worry, Lord, that we would have uh, you constantly in our minds, Lord, that we would live in your presence with that right kind of fear, Lord, that we wouldn't be scampering away from you to find security and comfort in the things of this world, Lord, but that we'd be running to you. 
Father, we do pray for those among us who are our older saints. And we pray, Father, uh, for their health, for their safety during this time. And Lord, we know uh, that when a saint, uh, when you bring them home, it is better by far, and yet for them to remain is good for us, Lord. So we ask that, uh, according to your goodwill, Lord, that they would have more ministry uh, with us, Lord. And maybe that, 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 that's selfish, uh, Lord, but we know that that is their desire, too, to be with us. And yet, Lord, we all long uh, to be home with you. We do ask, Lord, for their, for their safety and health during this time, for lots of, of wisdom, Lord, and that we would even be wise in serving them. We pray, Father, that you would help us to be bold in, 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 in doing something that maybe some of us haven't done, Lord. Many of us haven't done. I haven't done, Lord. And just knocking on some of our neighbor's doors, getting to know new people and asking if there's a way we can serve them or seeing if someone else needs help when we go to the grocery store, Lord. I pray, Father, that, we would, uh, that, that, that the world watching would be able to see our good works and glorify our Father who is in heaven, Lord. There's such an opportunity while being wise uh, to also be supernaturally different, Lord, and, and, and we want to be. Lord, we remember our brothers and, and, and sisters, Lord, for Gina and Marcus and Amy and their kids, for Joshua and Julie and their kids, for Sam and Amanda, uh, Lord, I, I don't know how isolating of a time this feels for them, Lord, both a concern for family here, uh, Lord, but also dealing with uh, the, this, this coronavirus wherever they are. We pray, Lord, for the, uh, for the comfort in their hearts, Lord, that they would take advantage and share the hope that they have. I pray, Father, that you'd give them wisdom, that you would keep them safe if that pleases you, Lord that they would uh, do all things through uh, your sustaining grace, Lord. Father, we do think uh, about the many uh, uh, doctors and other medical professionals who are among us, Lord. If we are to, to, to believe the reports around the world, uh, they have exhausting weeks and maybe months ahead of them, Lord, and, and there's potential of them getting sick. Lord, we do pray for their health, Lord. We pray for, their, for you sustaining them in joy. We pray, Lord, that they would maybe be able to, 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 to take a unique opportunity as sensing vulnerable people in an appropriate way to share the reason for the hope that they have, Lord. We pray for the health of their families as well as they'll be coming back and forth from, from, from hospitals. Lord, we do pray for the government, and, and, and uh, we want uh, to, to have peace, Lord. We want the gospel to be able to go forward. And we thank you that you have instituted the government for our good. And so we do pray that you would help the government to, to, to be wise, Lord, that they wouldn't uh, uh, abuse their authority during this time, but that they would uh, wisely use it in, in a way that would allow for the gospel to go forward by as many people uh, hearing as possible. Father, we are confident that you are a God who is saving um, and Lord, we want to uh, be willing, as, as Paul was, to suffer all things for the sake of the elect. We do want to be wise, we want to be healthy, uh, but we are confident that, 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 that your elect are out there. So please, Lord, be using us in the midst of these times uh, to share something that is supernatural about us, that we have Christ in us. Lord, we do pray as we uh, look at your word now, uh, we pray, Lord, for uh, wisdom. We pray, Lord, that our, that our hearts would be transformed. We pray, Lord, that you would help us to live by faith in uncertain times, that our, that our hope would be in you, Lord, that we'd be rejoicing in you. Give us wisdom as we look at your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe some of you have uh, seen the shelves in person. 
or maybe you've seen pictures on social media. There's grocery stores. The grocery store shelves have been stripped bare, almost as if you know it's a biblical plague of locust. It's not out of uh, of of necessity, at least not yet. It is out of precaution as people stock up, not knowing what will literally be in store in the days ahead. We don't know if supplies will run out. We don't know who in our families is going to get sick. The prophet Habakkuk didn't know how bad life circumstances would get. Listen again to Habakkuk 3.17-18, to 18, and you can see why I remember this passage. Habakkuk 3.7-18, again I'm reading in the ESV. Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flocks be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. We could use in, in, in today's language, though there be nothing on the shelves at Costco, and our bank accounts are empty. Today we will see God powerfully exalted in Habakkuk 3, so that we will continue to live by faith in uncertain times. The first two chapters of the book of of Habakkuk records Habakkuk's conversation with God at the end of the 7th century BC. The book begins with Habakkuk's confusion over the sin he saw within the southern kingdom of Judah. The the reforms under King Josiah were short-lived. After Josiah's death, Judah returned to idolatry and wickedness. Habakkuk yearned for God to cleanse Israel of its injustice and idolatry. He wanted to know how long until God would act. So the Lord answers in Habakkuk 1 verses 5 through 11. The answer shocked Habakkuk. God was sending the notoriously wicked Chaldeans, now known as the Babylonians, to punish Israel. Habakkuk was so disturbed by God's choice and judgment that Habakkuk humbly questioned God in chapter 1, verses 12 to 2-1. How could God send the Babylonians? The Lord graciously answered in chapter 2 that the proud Babylonians would be destroyed, but that the righteous will live by faith. We see that in Hebrews 2-4, and I mean in, in Habakkuk 2-4, and as I read it, you'll recognize a verse that's quoted in the New Testament. Habakkuk 2.4, behold, his soul, talking about the Babylonians, is puffed up. It is, not up. it is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. The righteous will live by faith. In times of uncertainty, God's people, the righteous, those who have been saved by faith are those who continue in faith. Those who have been saved by faith are those who continue in faith. They are those who believe in God and they act upon what they believe They are faithful to God's commands, and they live by their steadfast trust in God's character. Chapter 3 is Habakkuk's worshipful response to God's revelation of judgment in chapters 1 and 2. And although we don't know exactly what Habakkuk means in verse 1 when he says, according to Shigianoth, these words, as well as the ending, and we, we saw them at the end of, of his psalm here, to the choir master with stringed instruments, indicates that this psalm was to be sung in temple worship, in temple worship even before the, 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 the judgment came. This song exemplifies Habakkuk's commitment to continue in faith, even when the future is unknown. Today is a good day for this song. 
Today we'll see in Habakkuk 3 that if we are going to continue in faith, we must hope in the Lord who saves and rejoice in the Lord who strengthens. If we're going to continue in faith, we must hope in the Lord who saves and rejoice in the Lord who strengthens. So first, to continue in faith, we need a hope in the Lord who saves. And we're going to look at at this hope in the Lord who saves in verses 2 through 16. Habakkuk begins his prayer in verse 2 by praying for the Lord to save. O Lord, in those capital letters there for Lord, is Yahweh, his Old Testament covenant name. I have heard the report of you. In your works, O Lord, O Yahweh, do I fear. Habakkuk begins by reflecting upon the crisis they faced. He didn't see it, though, as an isolated event. He saw it in the context of God's past actions, as recorded in God's word. He affirms God as Yahweh, the covenant-making, covenant-keeping, self-existent and independent God of Israel. He says that he heard the report of you and your work. And so as he does that, he reflects on God's past works, on creation, on the flood, the covenants, the exodus, God bringing Israel into the promised land. He remembers how God bends all creation to accomplish his will as putty in his hands. And he remembers how God has acted in history. He looks back and Habakkuk has the right response. He fears. He thinks about all of the works that God has done. So having remembered who he's praying to, Habakkuk prays for God to act again. Verse 2, in the midst of your years, revive it. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. He's ready to see God move now in, in this time, in Habakkuk's time. Not just the past. He's eager for God to keep his promises. And yet there is a caveat at the end of verse 2. In wrath, remember mercy. Habakkuk pleads with the Lord. Don't forget the righteous as you sweep away the wicked, Lord. The cross is the pinnacle of God in his wrath, remembering mercy. I love that phrase, in wrath, remember mercy. God, as you bring judgment, remember to save. How incredible that that is what God did on the cross, poured out his wrath on his own son so that we could be saved. In verse three, Habakkuk describes a vision of God on the move, of God coming to save. And I think it's encouraging to us, although this is a picture of God coming in his judgment, it is a cod, it's a picture of God coming to deliver his people. It's a glorious and terrifying picture of salvation in the midst of destruction. And it's tough to hold all of these images in your mind at once. It's almost like like, like watching a music video with a lot of flashing images. Begins in verse 3. God came from Teman and the Holy One from Mount Paran. Habakkuk sees God coming to his people along the same path he had led them into the promised land nearly 800 years prior. These are the areas southeast of Judah, extending down into the the Sinai Peninsula. Habakkuk sees the Holy One coming from the south, the area of Mount Sinai where God had revealed himself in the past to the people in thunder and lightning and smoke. It's a powerful picture of God coming through the desert to his people. And so he has to pause. And he says, Selah, the Holy One is coming. That's encouraging to us. 
The second half of verse 3, Habakkuk continues, His splendor covered the heavens, and the earth was full of his praise. All creation reveals God's splendor. As God moves to save, everything he formed, all of creation, the whole earth, from mountains to the stars, are a mirror reflecting and focusing God's brightness back on him. The spotlight of all creation is directed upon God. His splendor covered the heavens. The earth was full of his praise. Then into verse 4, his brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. God is pictured in blinding brightness. He can't be looked at without damage to yourself. We know that when we see God in his holiness, we have to hide behind the sacrifice of his son. Habakkuk says that rays flashed from his hand. Blinding light becomes power. He's armed with lightning. God is armed with lightning like like a javelin to throw. There he veiled his power. So here we see all this power displayed, but it says there he veiled his power. As if Habakkuk is saying there's more where that came from. God is locked and loaded. His hand is ready to act in glorious, glorious deliverance power. This is our God. Verse five, before him went pestilence and plague followed at his heels. That's a sobering verse today. His army is with him, pestilence or, 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 or disease is ahead of him, plagues behind. And what Habakkuk is talking, talking about here is that all of creation, even the fallen world, including viruses, including pandemics, are at God's disposal to do his will, to wield his weapons when he wishes. Now, we're going to talk later that we can't interpret every time we, 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 have, we have a natural disaster or a pandemic as God's judgment, although it is a consequence of living in a fallen world. But here he's describing... and. That would uh, mean a lot to Israel as they knew that uh, sicknesses were part of God's judgment of sin, as they would think about the plagues that God sent upon Egypt. It's revealing God and his power able to do as he wishes, even with pestilence and plague. Verse 6 continues. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations, shook the nations. Then the eternal mountains scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. This is the moment when God arrives. He stops and measures. He critically looks at the earth and he judges all on the scales of his righteousness, on his holy standard. Under his gaze, the nations shudder. They're guilty. They're exposed and they want to hide. Under his feet, the earth shakes. The eternal mountains are scattered. Normally, nothing epitomizes stability more than mountains. But now only his ways were the everlasting ways. There's nothing solid when God comes except God's ways himself. Creation is, a, is temporary. It unravels when God moves. Verse 7. I saw the tents of Cushan in affliction, the curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. And these are are nomadic tribal people along the ways of God's path who panic as he marches past. You can imagine God going kind of in this storm and the the curtains being whipped as he goes by. Verses 8 and 9, back at 3. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers or your indignation against the sea when you rode on your horses on your chariot of salvation? Habakkuk asks the Lord a rhetorical question here. 
inspired by this vision as the rivers and seas are caught up in God's judgment. Creation is not the object of God's wrath, but the instrument. For the first time in the vision, there's hope though. His chariot is a chariot of salvation. God's coming is a rescue mission. It is not an extermination. He's coming for his people. It's encouraging. Verse 9 continues this, with, with this warrior metaphor. You stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows. And the picture ultimately is clear here. This is the chariot riding, bow-wielding Yahweh about to enter battle. He is taking aim. Verse 10, the second half, furthers the vision. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging water swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high splitting the earth with the rivers. And maybe the picture here is waters coming from, from below the earth, splitting the earth open. And it's a picture perhaps reminding of the worldwide flood in Genesis. The mountains saw you and writhed, whether from, from earthquakes or maybe from mudslides because of the rain coming down. It's torrents of waters rushed down the sides. Uh, creation itself is kind of unwinding. Raging water swept on, new rivers rushing down the mountain. It's joining to become a sea. This is cataclysmic destruction reminiscent of the flood. But in this flood, it's not dark clouds. It's brightness. Verse 11, the sun and moon stood still in their place at the light of your arrows as they sped, at the flash of your glittering spear. The sun and moon are irrelevant. God's glory is bright enough. Everything is lit by God's arrows. Everything is lit by the flash of his spears. Creation is in awe of God's blinding, brilliant rescue. Time stands still to watch what God is doing. Verses 12 and 13. You marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. God's fury-fueled revelation of his might is not a temper tantrum. He has a purpose. God has arrived to deliver his people Israel, his chosen ones. As Habakkuk prayed in verse 2, In wrath, God remembers mercy. God is here to deliver. He is on the move for his people. His wrath instead is directed toward the king of Babylon, second half of verse 13. You crush the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh, or the idea is from the foundation or the base to the neck. It's God's victory against Babylon, ultimately against all his enemies, ultimately against Satan. His victory will be one day complete. The whole house from its foundation to its head will be destroyed. Verse 14 reveals more. You pierced with his own arrows the heads of the warriors. This is how God is going to bring about this, this victory. You pierced with his own arrows, the king of Babylon's arrows, the heads of the warriors, who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. God will turn the king of Babylon's weapons against himself. Those warriors who had brought violence upon nation after nation would be defeated by the king's own armies, perhaps in the chaos and confusion of battle, killing one another. Verse 15. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. The vision of victory comes to, to a conclusion in verse 15. God charges in to rescue. With his bow strung, his arrow knocked, riding furiously, 
Beneath him, the waters of judgment overwhelmed the enemy. And here, this is intentionally reminds us of Moses' song in Exodus 15, 4 through 10, where Moses sang about the triumph of God at the Red Sea over Pharaoh's armies. When Pharaoh's chariots were buried under the sea of God's judgment, but God's chariot is victorious. Judgment is the end of God's enemies, but it is God's pathway to glory. So in verse 16, and maybe you're feeling the way Habakkuk does. Habakkuk responds to this prophetic vision. I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the days of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. The vision of God's power was so traumatizing, even when directed at God's enemies, that Habakkuk can hardly stand. His lips quiver, his bones rotten and able to support him. He's like a skeleton trying to stand without any ligaments or, or muscles. He just crumples. If this is how God's prophet responds to God, how much more are you who have not been saved by him? Run to Jesus today if you are not in a right relationship with him. Call to him as your savior. Submit to him as your Lord. You will, face no, you will fare no better than the king of Babylon if you resist him. You too will be trampled under his chariot. You too will be pierced by his arrows unless you hide in Jesus Christ. Christ came to take your punishment. He returned to life so you can serve him as your king. So don't be on the wrong side of this chariot riding king who saves. Run to him, not from him. This vision temporarily ruined Habakkuk. Yet it was the answer to his prayer. God would revive his works. He would act again. He would make his works known. In wrath, God would remember mercy. He would come to rescue his people. And now Habakkuk must wait. You see at the end of verse 16. I will quietly wait for the days of trouble to come upon people who invade us. God appeared to be missing. But it was only a matter of time before God would rescue his people. And until then, he waited. Until God returns to rescue his people, how should we who are waiting apply this vision of God coming in power? We are convinced by God's word that worse judgment is coming upon the world than even that which befell Babylon. The picture Habakkuk saw is a foretaste of what the whole world will experience one day. Now, when we go through natural disasters, weather, tsunamis, earthquakes, or pandemics, we must be careful not to say this is God's judgment on a certain place. It is a part of the consequence of the fall. It's part of God's judgment on sin in general. But for many around the world, which has already taken many lives, just as many other Consequences of the fall have taken many lives. This pandemic will be the end for many of experiencing any of God's grace. For many, it will be the beginning of eternal judgment. We, like Habakkuk, are eager to see God glorified on this earth, and we also pray in wrath, remember mercy. Like Habakkuk, the thought of 
what God will one day bring upon this earth causes our legs to tremble beneath us. In this time of uncertainty, let's be reminded again that our God will not forever sit on his throne. I mean, he will always reign, but perhaps even now he is arising to bring judgment. Perhaps he's having his chariot readied. If you are not right with the Lord, this is, this is not a God who can be opposed. Those who die without knowing Christ will face the judgment of this God. If you are not right with God, today is the day of salvation. All who call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. If you are right with the Lord, if you are confident, if your only hope in life and death is Christ, continue to live by faith, by hoping in the Lord who saves. This was a terrifying vision that Habakkuk saw, that he sang about, he wanted it sung about. But it was also an encouraging one. The righteous God who judges is the righteous God who saves. The righteous God who judges is the righteous God who saves. His chariot is a chariot of salvation. He goes out for the salvation of his people. What have we to fear? We can say, come Lord Jesus. The Lord Jesus will return to rescue his people. We will see him riding on his white horse. We will be gathered up in the clouds with him. Our hope in uncertainty is that he is the one who saves. Our God is on the move. To continue in faith, we have to hope in the Lord who saves. Also, to continue in faith, we need to rejoice in the Lord who strengthens. We will look at that in verses 17 to 19. We need to hope in the Lord who saves, and we need to rejoice in the Lord who strengthens. In verses 17 to 19, Habakkuk expresses his resolve to continue in faith by rejoicing. Yes, he saw a sobering picture, but what he's going to do going forward is rejoice. See, faith does not attempt to only hold on and get through it. We are not simply bunkering down until the coronavirus passes. Faith doesn't just ignore pandemics because brighter roads are ahead. Faith is not just waiting, faith is rejoicing. In verse 17, Habakkuk describes the complete economic collapse of Judah, increasing from the lack of, 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 of creature comforts, he begins with in verse 17, and by the end, he's describing an utterly desolate scene. Let's walk through that. He says, though the fig tree should not blossom, Figs were really a treat. They were used to sweeten other foods, like dropping raisins in your oatmeal, if you like raisins and oatmeal. But they were used to sweeten food. He says, nor fruit be on the vines. Now, this was less a matter of convenience like figs. Grapes provided daily drink. It was a little bit more serious. It gets worse, though. The produce of the olive fail. Olives were used for, for cooking and for bringing light. For the olives to fail would be a serious problem, but still a, 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 a inconvenience rather than desolation. He continues, and though the fields yield no food, and here we see it gets worse, without grain and barley, starvation would follow for many. It gets worse. Though the flocks be cut off from the fold, sheep provided wool for clothes, but it was the main, the main supply of their meat. Goats would, would provide milk, 
butter and cheese. If the flock is cut off from the field, if they have no more sheep and goat, things are getting even worse following not having any grain. And it gets even worse, and there be no herd in the stalls. He's, he's talking about the, 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 the cattle that would be rarely eaten, but would be invaluable on the farms. It would be used to prepare the crop for the following year. This, this is your bank accounts empty. This, this, is, this is selling the car you used to get to work. Habakkuk didn't sugarcoat the devastation Judah was facing for its sin. He stares at the harsh reality and responds with resolve. Verse 8, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. Even though all that happens, even though I'm left desolate and have nothing, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. In the Hebrew, the phrase, in the Lord, comes before the verb to, to, to emphasize it. Yet I, in the Lord, will rejoice. Not yet I, in the amount of food I have stored, in the amount of money in my bank account, or in my passing the virus test, rejoice. Yet I, in the Lord, will rejoice. These are strong emotional words and it could be translated, yet I and the Lord will exalt, yet I and the Lord will shout with joy. And this is the commitment of Habakkuk's heart. Habakkuk may be stripped of daily necessities, the shelves may be empty, but he will rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice isn't, rejoicing in the Lord isn't some oblivious giddiness. It's not, it's not playing dress up like a child. It's not just imagining things are good. This joy is the fruit of your commitment to think on what is true until you rejoice. It is until your feelings mirror the reality of God revealed in the truth of his word. That's what rejoicing is. It is to meditate on God's word until your feelings mirror the reality revealed. It is the commitment of your heart. Paul similarly commands the Philippians in Philippians 4.4. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. He says, taking joy in the God of my salvation. This is not a circumstantial joy. Habakkuk was facing death, deportation, potential starvation when Babylon arrived. Paul was in prison when he commanded the Philippians to rejoice. 2 Corinthians 6.10, Paul could speak of being sorrowful yet always rejoicing. Paul could speak of the, the Macedonians, 2 Corinthians 8, verses 2 and 3. In a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. Rejoicing in the Lord is not circumstantial. Like so much of our joy, rejoicing in the Lord is doctrinal. To rejoice is to remind yourself of what God has done to rescue his people, whether in the acts of the Old Testament or most powerfully at the cross of Jesus Christ. In 1 Chronicles 16, verses 10 and 12, glory in his holy name. Let the hearts of those who seek the Lord rejoice. Why, verse 12? Remember the wondrous works that he has done, his miracles and the judgment he uttered. We remember what God has done. To rejoice is to reflect on how God has acted toward you in accordance with his attributes. To remember the specific ways he has showed you his patience, even this past week, his mercy, 
his sweet grace, his gentle compassion, his covenant-keeping love. To rejoice is to remember the seriousness of the sin of which you've been forgiven. To rejoice because in Psalm 103, verse 12, it says, As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. To line up our sins and to remember that God has cast them far away from his conscience, withdrawing them, remembering them. To rejoice is to read through the letters of the New Testament. And what a great thing to do is you have time, perhaps, some of you in these upcoming weeks and at home, and write down all the blessings that are yours in Christ Jesus, purchased for you by his death and confirmed to you by his resurrection. You could read through 1 Peter. Look at verses 8 and 9. Though you've not seen him, you love him. Though you do not... Now see him, you believe in him, and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. We know where this is going. Our God is on the move. To rejoice is to thank God for any blessings he has given you right now and any judgment he is withholding from you. Psalm 97, verse 12. Rejoice in the Lord, O you righteous, and give thanks to his holy name. Make a journal of what you have to be thankful for. To rejoice is to meditate on God's promises to you, all of them. To make a journal filled with them if you want. Romans 5, 2, to rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. To rejoice is to work hard, to believe God is who he says he is. And that, to believe that he will do what he says he will do. It includes working hard to rejoice in these coronavirus trials, to apply James 1 and 2 to our current trials. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. This is what you may need to remember in the upcoming weeks. You may need to memorize James 1, 2, and 3 to your family. We don't know what the upcoming weeks hold for us. Are you committed to rejoicing like Habakkuk was? Are you committed to rejoicing today and in the upcoming weeks? Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. By the power of God's indwelling spirit, will you bend your will to think on the promise-making, promise-keeping, self-existent, and eternal God? Will you submit to take joy in the God of your salvation, remembering God's past salvation to you, thanking him for his continuous saving of you, and longing for the revelation of your future salvation when he returns in glory on his chariot of salvation? Or will you choose what is easy and godless to act like God is missing? to act like that he's not on his way to save. God is not missing, friends. To you who are in Christ Jesus, who have been made right with him through faith in his sacrifice on your part, he is your strength in sickness. He is your strength in sadness. He is your strength in confusion. He is your strength in chaos. He is your strength in loss. He is your strength in loneliness. He is your strength in tragedy. And he is your strength in need. As Habakkuk affirms, God the Lord is my strength. 
He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. That's verse 19. Oh, it's a rare name for, for, for God there. And you can see, and it's one of the, the few times in our English versions of the Old Testament that God is capitalized, in, that all the letters of God are capitalized. That's because that is Yahweh there. It is Yahweh the, the Lord. It means Yahweh Lord, Yahweh Master. It's the strongest name possible for God. It emphasizes both his covenant-keeping steadfast love, but also his sovereignty. This is sovereign Yahweh. Habakkuk, in in a beautiful picture here, visualizes the results of the Lord's strengthening. It's a powerful image as we think about saints even this morning who are sick, who are sick uh, around the world from this virus. He uses an, an image that Israelites have often seen, a confident, energetic deer running across the mountain heights of Palestine. The picture is one of victory, of stability, of freedom, in the land God had promised Abraham long ago, his homeland, the land that Judah was going to have to leave. Habakkuk knows he will not just survive, but he will excel because God is his strength in the midst of his weakness. As the Exodus 15 verse 2 says, The Lord is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. This is my God and I will praise him, my Father's God and I will exalt him. It reminds us of 2 Corinthians 12 verse 9 where Paul says, My grace But Jesus said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Perhaps even the weakness from a virus. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. What an opportunity we have to show the strength of our God. Through his indwelling spirit, which unites us who believed with a living and resurrected Christ. God strengthens us to persevere, to please him, to live by faith, to rejoice. On his own, Habakkuk had no ability to run like a deer. He would not persevere unless the Lord helped him. And neither can we. Philippians 4, 11 through 13, Paul said, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. With the Lord's strength, you, like Habakkuk, and like Paul, like all of those who've been saved through faith, will continue in faith with the Lord's strength. As you hope in the Lord who saves and rejoice in the Lord who strengthens, God is not missing. God is on the move. He is coming to deliver at his time and he will sustain you and keep you joyfully believing until you are forever with him. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. Let's pray. Dear Father, we thank you for what you reveal in your word. We know that Habakkuk was there waiting. He was there waiting for you to reveal 
uh, your power in judgment upon Israel, in judgment upon Babylon. But he was also confident that he would rejoice in you and be strengthened in you. In Habakkuk 2, Lord, you say that the righteous live by faith. We know, Lord, that we are only saved through faith in Jesus Christ, that we are only made righteous through our hope in Christ's sacrifice on our behalf by placing our confidence in only his righteousness. And yet, Lord, Habakkuk is also talking about how we continue in faith, that we live by faith, by faithfulness, by continuing to obey your command. So I pray for your people, as, as, and not just here, Lord, but, but, but even those who are suffering around the world, but particularly for us, Lord, that you would help us to continue in faith, Lord, that we would hope in you who saves, that this picture of you coming in power would, would be encouraging to our, our souls, that we would be waiting for Christ on his white horse to come, that we would be looking forward to your chariot of salvation, that we would encourage ourselves with this complete control over creation that you have, that we would be encouraged knowing that plague and pestilence at our your command to do with what you will. Oh, Lord, and, 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 and as we know this whole earth is facing judgment one day, we would hide ourselves in Christ alone, but that we would be proclaiming Christ to those who may, in, in, in days and weeks, be on the verge of death, Lord. Help us to care for those who are older and without you, our neighbors who need to know you, especially our family members. Father, we pray that we would be those who rejoice in your salvation. We rejoice in your salvation. We re rejoice in you who strengthen us, Lord. Father, we do not know what we're going to face. We don't know what the shelves are going to be like. We don't know how long we're going to be kind of hiding in our homes or whatever it is the government advises we do. How long before, uh, in a sense, we can greet one another with a holy kiss? How long will it be before we're all back together? Oh, Lord, help us to find our strength in you. Help us to encourage one another with these words. Um, Father, we uh, know that one day, and, and what, a, what a beautiful picture ultimately of what eternity is going to be like. We know that you sustain us in this life, Lord, but what a beautiful picture of new creation as this deer jumps on the mountains in safety and security, and we look forward to the future that you have for all of those who are in Christ Jesus. We thank you that Jesus is coming uh, to, to, to this earth, Lord. Uh, we do pray for those who aren't ready. Lord, help us to be bold with the gospel. And we pray, Father, that you would help us all to uh, be faithful to rejoice in you, to encourage one another with the good news that we have in Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. As uh, we finish our service this, this, this morning, um, the, the, the elders of Cornerstone Bible Church are here. If we can serve you in uh, any way, uh, please reach out to us, but please also reach out to the saints. We really don't know e even what any of us might need in the upcoming week. Uh, so if one of us finds ourselves without toilet paper, we should phone a friend. Seriously, we are here for one another uh, for whatever needs we have. Um, I uh, would like to, to, to say thank you to uh, Will and David who are helping me record this message and uh, pray that you would have a blessed time fellowshipping with one another the rest of this morning. Thank you. <laughs>